As you'll hear in a bit, this week's episode leaps off of a video released last week talking about complaining. As I was writing it, I became very aware that I was constantly at risk of creating an episode that was complaining about complaining. And that's what I didn't want to do. My original script started off much like other episodes have, a clip, a comment, a tongue in the cheek, some music, all at a semi-frenetic pace. And we will still get to that. But before we do, I wanted to connect with all of you here and say that I think this episode is really important. It'd be easy to just make jokes and turn an episode about criticizing, complaining, and gossiping into a 15-minute stand-up routine. But I think that would make it really easy for all of us to pretend that this is about someone else. And it's not. There's a French proverb, fish discover water last, meaning that when we are completely immersed in something, we are oblivious it is there. It is only when we are pulled out of it that we can see how immersed we were. So take a deep breath. Because in this week's episode, we're pulling ourselves out of the water and taking a look at our reflection. Welcome to Where There's Smoke, the show where we explore self-development through the lens of current events, sports, and pop culture. On this week's show, we dig into the dangers of criticizing. We not only answer last week's question of who's listening to us in Ghana, you get to meet them. We give you a challenge that could transform your life over the next three months. And of course, we got a few other things up our sleeves. My name is Brett Gaida, and I am your host. Last Monday, Gary Vaynerchuk posted a video rant on Facebook that he called a Monday motivational video, though it was a bit more of a Monday stop complaining and get grateful video. This internet thing created way more opportunity for all of us, way more. I mean, look, you might not even be alive. Like, your mom and dad could have had sex like three minutes later and you wouldn't even exist and you're complaining. You could have ended up being a bus, a tree. I just don't get the mentality of being head down sad on a Monday morning. I'm gonna make Monday morning- Within 24 hours, this video had hundreds of thousands of views, which either means that people are really sick of complaining or they love it so much that a video complaining about complaining was like chocolate covered chocolate with chocolate sauce for them. Either way, though it's an important message, I'm sure even Gary would admit it's not a new one. Stop complaining. We've heard it before and most of us agree with it because even those people who never stop complaining don't like listening to other people complain. So I don't think you're too hard pressed to find someone that wouldn't say the world could use a little less complaining. Perhaps Louis C.K. said it best a few years ago. You think that would just bring us back to reality? Yeah, because everything is amazing right now and nobody's happy. But of course, if I'm going to quote Louis C.K., I got to let the man elaborate a little bit. There's always delays. That's what everybody complains about. There's always delays when I fly. Really? Delays. It's too slow. Air travel's too slow. New York to California in six hours. That used to take 30 years to do that. And a bunch of you would die on the way there. You get shot in the neck with an arrow. Now, Louie and Gary do a pretty solid job of hammering home the message that we should be more grateful and stop complaining. So there is no need for me to do that in today's episode. Not to mention the fact that it would either be the shortest episode of Where There's Smoke or the most repetitive. You count your blessings and stop complaining, stop complaining, stop complaining, stop complaining, stop complaining, stop complaining. So what I'd like to do is open the subject up a bit. 
help to highlight what's really going on. What are the costs? Who's paying them? And what can we do about it? years ago, my wife and I attended a weekend event, and one of the ground rules was no criticizing or negative talk. All weekend, anywhere, in the event or outside of the event. The results of those few days on our relationship were staggering. I mean, we had already had moments in our past where we discussed how we nitpicked each other, but we failed to realize how much we projected it out. How much of our conversations were nitpicking others? complaining about things, gossiping, you know, whether it be the service in a restaurant or how bad we both thought that performance on American Idol was. Not in a billion years. There are only so many words I can drag out of my vocabulary to say how awful that was. And when we removed those negative conversations, the vibe between us transformed. It was kind of amazing. Again, fish and water. Complaining is obviously far from limited to our personal lives. It runs rampant in the workplace. Linda Swindling wrote a book called Stop Complainers and Energy Drainers, and she shared some startling numbers. 78% of people report a loss of at least three to six hours each week in their workplace because of complainers. On average, that's a month of lost time every year for every person who spends time dealing with complainers. This unproductive time costs companies between four dollars to $9,000 per year per employee, meaning that U.S. employers are spending at least $10.2 billion on wasted time per week and over $513 billion a year on complainers and draining situations. So if anyone ever asks you what it sounds like to lose half a trillion dollars, play them this. Who was the jerk that invented spreadsheets? If it's not one spreadsheet, it's two. If it's not two spreadsheets, it's three. What did I do so wrong as a child to deserve this? When the top it all off is Wednesday. Ooh, I hate Wednesdays. Why they gotta call it hump day? Now maybe you're someone who's like, eh, so it costs my company money. They got enough of it. Okay, then let's talk about what it's costing you. Because whether you realize it or not, your approach to criticizing, complaining, and gossiping has already created a reputation for you at work and in your life. And through your actions, you are picking what you get. These people, dressed as they are, come from all over the United States to make deals here in the marketplace of America. Let's make a deal. And now, here's America's top trader, TV's big dealer, Monty Hall. Okay, well, you consider yourself a really nice person. You always say hi to people in the office, and boy, oh boy, can you relate to this episode, because man, do you find complainers annoying. As you told me, especially Mark in accounting and Christina in sales. I mean, what makes them think you want to hear about their weekend? And maybe someone should remind them that Facebook is public. What door do you want? <laughs> Two. Door number two. And two is the one I'm going to show you right now. People you work with don't trust you and assume you complain about them too. After all, you gossip to them about Christina and sales, you probably gossip to others about them. They see you as unproductive, someone who doesn't take responsibility and can't cope with change. Overall, they don't want to be associated with you. Okay, so that's one option. Or... You can choose to practice being conscious and aware of the words that come out of your mouth. 
Except that you likely do criticize, complain, and gossip more than you think. Check in to the expectations you have on others and situations around you, and commit to work on being more patient, more positive, more understanding, and accepting. Do that, and... This is what you're going to get behind door number one, Mercedes King, and here we are. You have a fantastic reputation. You act with integrity and are known for making other people look good. You have a positive attitude, are likable, and due to this, people love being associated with you. In addition, groundbreaking research in positive psychology tells us that your positive attitude will help you to live longer, be healthier, have more friends and a better social life, enjoy your life more, and be more successful at work. Now, there are plenty of articles and books out there on how to deal with negativity, complainers, and toxic situations in your work environment. I'm not going to take time here today to run through the many approaches and solutions. Our time is limited. Plus, you got the Google. And most of all, I'd rather talk about how we can be the change, each of us, so that we don't end up sounding like and feeling like this most days. Come on, Russell, would you hurry it up? I'm tired, and my knee hurts. Which knee? My elbow hurts, and I have to go to the bathroom. I asked you about that five minutes ago. Well, I didn't have to go then. I don't want to walk anymore. Look, regardless of how much you think you are contributing or not to this issue of criticizing, complaining, and gossiping, I'm going to ask you to stay open and take a look. Either way, you'll know. Maybe your perception of yourself is dead accurate. Or perhaps you'll realize that what you think you're doing and what you're actually doing are totally different, for better or for worse. Going back to those oblivious fish. When I was 28 years old, I took a year off and I traveled around the world. One of the insights I received from that time was realizing how much stress we carry from the minutiae of everyday life. And we don't realize it's there. I'm not talking about the big stuff. It's made up of all the little stuff. You know, for that year, I didn't have to worry about anything. There was no one to call back, no groceries to pick up, no one's birthday to remember, no bills to pay, no deadlines. And I realized looking back how well I slept during that year. I mean, my head would hit the pillow at nights and I would just shut off. Because there was nothing to worry about from the day. And I had no cares about tomorrow. There was no stress. And I had no idea. I mean, no idea how stressful just living our everyday lives can be. In the second act of this episode, I will interview Will Bowen, who inadvertently started a movement nine years ago with a simple challenge. And I'm going to ask you to stick around because I am going to challenge all of us to take that challenge. And we are going to track it and share as a community how we're doing. And perhaps, just as I did with stress, some of us will discover we're in a lot more water than we realized. It's time for the first installment of the Where There's Smoke Listener of the Week. 
This week we honor Jerome. Now you may remember last week that Brett was amazed by the show's download numbers in Ghana and wanted to know just who was listening. You are listening to this right now and you live in Ghana? Please reach out. Go to our website at wherethersmoke.co and leave us a voicemail. Whatever works, but we will not rest until we connect with you. Well, turns out, that listener was Jerome, a software architect who stumbled upon the show while simply scanning iTunes looking for a replacement for cereal. Jerome heard our desperate plea to find our Ghana listener and emailed the show within hours of the episode being published. A couple of days later, Jerome and Brett talked over Skype. Now that you're on the show, are they listening? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I've got some, some guys at my office and then uh, uh, one of my other friends to also, also listen to it. It's, 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 it's quite interesting. They, they are loving it. They, I mean, they are actually amazed at how good it is. Ah, that's really cool, man. That's so You're, you're our evangelist in Ghana. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll keep doing good work here. Turns out that Jerome had already started to spread the word about where there's smoke by issuing a simple challenge to his coworkers. Just listen to one episode. The results were instant. Let me check. Hold on. Let me while I've got you on the phone. Let's let's see if we've if if the numbers have gone must have gone up. It's gone up at least at least I know you downloaded it. All right, let's see. Here we go. Dude! 46 downloads in Ghana. Yeah, okay, so... so. What? <laughs> we were just at 21, like, four days yeah, ago. We've yeah, doubled yeah, our downloads in Ghana. Exactly, exactly. I'm going to get more people to, to... Because, I mean, it's good. All you have to do, all I have to do is just get somebody to listen to one episode, and that's it. So, so I mean, it, would, it wouldn't be too hard to get more people together. Awesome. So, thank you, Jerome, for spreading the word about where they're smoking, for being our listener of the week. Do you want to be a future listener of the week? Then we suggest that you offer your friends and loved ones your own Where There's Smoke Challenge. All you have to do is get them to listen to one episode of the show. Then if they like it, have them leave a review on iTunes. Make sure they say your first name in there. Then reach out to us through email or Facebook to tell us what you did and how it went. Our email address is connect at wherethersmoke.co. Feel free to get creative, share a favorite episode in your Facebook wall, tweet about the show, shave an ad into your hair. Whatever you do, make sure to snap a picture or screenshot, email it to connect at wherethersmoke.co. So thanks again, Jerome, and thank you, dear listener, for spreading the word. This is Old Timey Nick, signing off. We are now going to continue the conversation around what can we do to eradicate criticizing, complaining, and gossiping from our lives. And we're going to do it with the perfect guest for this topic. Will Bowen is an international best-selling author of five books, and his biggest claim to fame is he is the founder of Complaint-Free World. This began in 2006 when he was doing a sermon at a church where he was a minister. The sermon was on prosperity, and he had noticed that people say they want more, but they complain about what they already have. And so he was trying to develop gratitude. And as he says, you know, sometimes to do that, you have to get past the complaining. So he handed out purple bracelets and he invited people to use them as a tool to eradicate complaining from their lives. Well, since that one conversation, this idea has exploded around the world. Complaint-Free World has sent out well over 10 million bracelets to 106 countries thus far. I started my conversation with Will talking about the 21-day challenge that these bracelets now represent. And this is how it works. The goal is to go 21 days in a row complaint-free. So you get a purple bracelet, very similar to the silicon bracelets popularized by Livestrong and other causes. 
and on day one, you will place it on one of your wrists. Now, if you catch yourself complaining, gossiping, or criticizing, you then move the bracelet over to the other wrist and you start the challenge over. So if I were to put it on my left wrist, and let's say on day one, which is probably really likely, I catch myself complaining, I would move it to my right wrist and I would start over. And if I got up to three days and then I caught myself complaining again, I'd move it back to my left wrist and I'd start over again. As we jump into our conversation, here's Will talking about the challenge. I always explain to people, um, get used to day one. There's no shame in day one. Because mm -hmm. usually what happens is the average person complains 15 to 30 times a day, and they have no awareness they're doing it. I like to say complaining is like bad breath. You notice it when it comes out of somebody else's mouth, but not when it comes out <laughs> of your own. When you start switching your bracelet, uh, every time you complain, you become aware of how much you complain. And so typically what happens is you're on day one, then you're on day one, then you're on day one, 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 one. Finally, you make it to day two and you start back over on day one usually. But over time, it gets easier. It takes four to eight months, but the changes in people's lives that they have told me are just incredible. And the change in my own life, honestly. Now, let me, just, let me just catch what you just said, because I think you just answered the next question I was going to ask, which was going to be, do you have any idea of what the average amount of time it takes people? And so what I just heard you say is it's a 21-day challenge. Every mm -hmm. time you fall off the wagon, so to speak, you start over, and you're saying on average it takes people four to eight months. Is that what you said? Four to eight months, yes. Wow. I did it myself again last year just to do it again because I had done it once before, six years earlier. And it took me almost six months to the day. And I actually what I did was I shot a little daily selfie and put, ran them all together in a video. And it's kind of funny to watch. <laughs> uh, the bracelet's on one wrist and then boom, there it goes over to the other one. Now, now it's interesting because the challenge itself, right, which is 21 days, but it can take four to eight months. So obviously that that requires a lot of, you know, patience and a lot of perseverance. And one of the things that struck me about your movement as a whole was, you know, when I discovered what you were doing, I started doing some research. And, you know, one of the first things I saw was, oh, my gosh, you were on the Oprah Winfrey show. How cool. And I, I look at the clip. It's from March of 2007. I, mm -hmm. I read that you started, you know, I think the sermon you did was in July 2006, right? So that's, that's nine years ago. And right. what, I, what I often see in the world with things like this, just to be really frank, is that someone comes up with this great idea like this, oh, I want, to, I want to change the world, I want people to be different. It becomes kind of a buzz, it becomes a fad, and then it often fades out, and it ultimately goes away. And the reason it goes away is because the person who was driving it gives up. And, and it reminded me, there's one of my favorite quotes, I'm sure you're familiar with it as well, which is Winston Churchill who said, Success is going from failure to failure without loss of enthusiasm. And With so, great enthusiasm. Right. right. So, so here you are nine years later. I have to imagine there's probably been ebbs and flows, but you've, you know, you're, you've stayed the course and, and, and continue to move it forward, which I think is really incredible. Can I share something very honestly with you and oh, your please. listeners? Yeah. And I mean, I've never said this before, but it's really something I've been listening to lately. We're uh, not listening to, but rather considering a lot lately. And that is that it has not been me that has been moving this forward. Mm. Um, I wrote uh, two books on not complaining, Complaint-Free World and Complaint-Free Relationships. Both were huge international sellers. And then I have written several books since. Two on happiness, which I think the, the, the third one, the, the happiness book, to me, it's the roadmap for happiness. And it was, it was my own personal journey to figure out how to be happy. 
And yet when people email me, they're always saying, when I read your book, and they mean a complaint-free world, there's just something (laughs) about this idea that, just to let you know, today, of course, you called, you emailed to ask if we would do this interview. I have gotten a request to come to Switzerland and speak, a request to train someone in China, and a request to train someone in Mexico, and I've sought none of this. There is just this, I think we've reached a point in our society where we realize there's too much complaining in the world, and the world isn't the way we would like it to be. And what's starting to fire off for people is that the two are correlated. We're so busy complaining and talking about, I mean, people say, well, I'm just watching the news. Well, no, we're just getting into our minds over and over and over again. What's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? And that's why we're perpetuating it. Right, right. Now, you had mentioned something to me. We were chatting a little bit before we started recording here. And you had mentioned to me that there was five reasons that that you've kind of um, distilled that people complain. Can you comment on that? Sure, yes. And actually, it was Dr. Robin Kowalski at Clemson University. She did her doctoral thesis on complaining, and uh, she's actually become a very good friend. I took her five reasons. She studied thousands of people over a five-year period, and uh, they actually monitored conversations. And when they found complaints, they sought to figure out the underlying uh, reason for them. And they figured out there was five. Now, what I did was I came up with an acronym that's easy to remember, and it's GRIPE, G-R-I-P-E. So here the here you are. These are the five reasons people complain. Number one is G, get attention. That's probably the biggest reason. That's when people get on the elevator and they complain about the local sports team or the weather. They just want attention. People complain to get attention. The R in gripe stands for remove responsibility. When you give someone a task, no matter how big or small, if they don't want to do it, they'll complain about the conditions around that to remove themselves from having to even try. So that's the R in gripe. Get attention, remove responsibility. The I stands for inspire envy, which is another way of saying bragging. A lot of people complain to brag. Um, there's another speaker that I, um, and, and author, who he and I have the same literary agent. We're on each other's email lists, and he always sends out these emails, and they're just, oh, I've got to rush off and speak at this conference in Budapest, and then I've got to fly to Hong Kong, and then I've got to do this, and it all has this, oh, poor me, and, it's, and I always think, dude, you're bragging. So people complain to get attention, remove responsibility, inspire envy or brag. The P stands for power. This is probably the second most common behind get attention. People will complain to build alliances. Somebody will complain to somebody else in their family if they're upset with another family member so that they'll have them on their side. People do the same thing at work. They'll complain about somebody in another department so that if that person causes any heat, you've kind of built your alliance. So that's power. And the E in gripe stands for excuse poor performance. This is sort of like remove responsibility. Remove responsibility, the second reason, is when you ask somebody to do something they don't want to do it, they come up with reasons why they can't. Excuse poor performance is they've already done something, they messed it up, and they're going to blame everything other than themselves. You know, the golfer who says the light was in his eyes or or the student who says the teacher didn't give me the, the homework. So those are the five reasons. And you mentioned it yourself. I have been traveling the world for nine years talking about this, and I've never found a complaint that wasn't to get attention, remove responsibility, inspire envy, have power, or excuse poor performance. You know, it's funny, there was a, a quote, I believe it was in your book somewhere, I saw it when I was reading something about you, which was, uh, 
an Earl Nightingale quote that we're all self-made, but only the successful will admit it. Yeah, I love that quote. Isn't that great? That's Earl Nightingale. Yeah. And I just thought that was great too, because it kind of lends to what you just said, right? It's like, oh, the, oh, the performance wasn't great. All of a sudden, uh, it, you know, it wasn't my fault. But when the performance is great, of course, it was, it was because of me, right? Right, exactly. And it's interesting, you mentioned businesses. There was a, a um, one of my favorite stories, and this was in my book, Complaint-Free Relationships. There's a hair salon in Houston, Salon on Kirby, little small place. And the guy got tired of all of his hairstylists complaining about their customers. They'd go in the break room and complain. So he painted the wall purple in the break room and wrote a complaint-free world, insisted that everyone complete the 21 days. And what happened was half his employees told him he was Pollyanna and they quit. And and he said, I watched $150,000 of revenue walk out the door in one fell swoop, but he stood by his guns. He doesn't manage that salon anymore. He doesn't have to. It does over a million dollars and he travels the world. He only impl uh, hires employees who have gone through the 21 days and will not complain that that's just not their nature. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it's, it's amazing the impact I've seen this have on people's lives as well as businesses. So question for you, question I often ask a lot of my guests, um, the, the show is called Where There's Smoke. And so it's from the idiom, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. And one of the things we like to do is look at, you know, everyone's seeing the smoke and we kind of like to look for the fire. Like what, what's, what's the thing that maybe people aren't seeing or that they're not aware of or that they're not talking about and we think maybe they should be. Is there anything around all this that you feel is, um, you know, kind of one of those things that people maybe don't see or aren't aware of or are not as aware of and you think should be brought more to the forefront? I keep trying to dig deeper and deeper into why is it challenging for us to be positive? Why is it easier for us to be negative? And it is. Hmm. And I realize that it's because we all have this, and it's become very popular now, everybody talks about it, this ego, and not in the Freudian sense, but in the sense of a, um, I like to call it a rude roommate that we always have, that's always there criticizing, condemning us, also telling us to do things that we know we shouldn't do, and then after we do it, telling us we're stupid for having done them. I've been thinking a lot about that and writing about that lately, and I've realized that the ego always asks two questions. What's wrong and who can I blame? In every situation, the ego wants to know what's wrong and who can I blame? Now, that's the essence of complaining. So, com so ego, the ego really is driving complaining. And what I have discovered is the most powerful, I mean, this is, this is like a magic bullet, and I'm so glad I figured it out, is to ask the opposite questions in my head all the time. What's right and who can I thank? What's right and who can I thank? And that gets you away from the complaining. That puts you on that positive focus so that you can accomplish and do anything. That is powerful. Uh, very powerful. I love that. All right. So question, Will, if uh, you know our listeners are listening and they want to learn more about you, they want to uh, learn more about a complaint-free world, where would, you, where would you send them? Where would you guide them? Easiest place to go is willbowen.com. That's W-I-L-L-B-O-W-E-N.com, willbowen.com. There's a link there to get complaint-free bracelets. Uh, there are lots of res free resources on the complaint-free side for businesses, schools, churches, etc. cetera. Uh, there's information in, uh, about booking me to speak and do seminars and things like that as well. Willbowen.com. Excellent, Will. Well, again, thank you so much for taking the time today. You did uh, step up and do this on very short notice, which I really, really appreciate. And uh, 
Just thank you for sharing so much great wisdom with our audience. My pleasure, Brad. Thank you. Enjoy today. Thank you. All right. So I am throwing down the gauntlet to all of us. I challenge you to become 21 days complaint-free starting today. Today is day one for me, and maybe tomorrow will be too, but I'm doing it, and I will update my progress on social media, and I encourage you to do the same. We now have a Facebook fan page for Where There's Smoke, so you can connect with us there, facebook.com forward slash WTS pod, and you can find me on Twitter at Brett Gaida. That's B-R-E-T-T-G-A-J-D-A. And there's links to both of those on our website. So there are no excuses to not connect. As for the bracelets, Will was very clear to me that you don't need to get the purple bracelets to do this. Hey, anything will work. Though he did suggest you pick something that you'll want to wear on your wrist for a few months because it's likely it'll be there for a while. That said, if you want to order some from their website and spread the movement, awesome, but don't wait for them to start. Today is day one, 21 days complaint-free. Are you in? Yes or yes? As a coda to today's episode, we would be remiss if we didn't acknowledge the passing of writer-comedian Harris Whittles. Harris, a.k.a. Jack Jr., a.k.a. Rodney Hogg, was a writer and producer for Parks and Rec, as well as a frequent guest on a ton of comedy podcasts. Now, while listening to the interview with Will Bowen, you may have noticed that at one moment he described something that Harris famously defined a few years ago, the humble brag. It was bragging, but it wasn't just bragging. It was a type of bragging that included some amount of fake modesty which somehow made it acceptable to do. Every time I would read one, I would think, why would that person say that? What's the point? Some examples of humble brags include, just bought two homeless women near my building dinner. Can't do this every day, but it hurts to see these women begging so hard for help. Spaz alert! I tripped walking upstairs to stage to receive my Oscar nominee certificate. Hashtag forever a nerd. Why is it every time I have a softball game, someone walks up to me and says, are you on roids? Ha ha ha, dude. I don't even lift weights. If you want to enjoy more of these, just put hashtag humblebrag into the search bar on Twitter and you will find an infinite supply. Or you know what? Just pay attention because every single day people are humblebragging on Twitter and in the world without even realizing it. Also, we strongly encourage you to listen to Harris's appearances on Comedy Bang Bang or any other podcast he was on. He was great. Uh, I hate smoking sections. Unless we're talking about the movie The Mask with Jim Carrey. Then the smoking section is my favorite part. <laughs> with that, we are coming to the end of today's show. But we have a few people we'd like to tip our hats to. Thank you to every one of you who took time this week to review the show on iTunes or Stitcher and to share it with others on social media, by email, by text, word of mouth. We are beyond grateful. A few shout outs to you, our listeners on iTunes. Thank you to just an LDS dude for your review. Anytime you mention us and Radiolab in the same sentence, I'm honored. Plus, I loved your headline, actual talent in progress. My ego totally wants to get that made into one of those signs that lights up when I'm recording, but my humility has wisely suggested that I chill out. 
Uh, additional thanks to iTunes reviewer R. Lopez for managing to high-five the show while wetting my appetite with his review headline, Holy Guacamole. And thanks to Carrie Hart, our WTS superfan in Canada, for the review and spreading the word. Also, on Twitter, thanks to Erica Liramark, who tweeted, Great podcast. You guys are going to be huge. Some of you might know Erica. She's a best-selling author, a consultant, and hopefully an oracle. Please keep the reviews coming, keep sharing, and let's stay connected. If you haven't joined our mailing list, remember, for a limited time only, when you join our mailing list, we will email you a picture of what we're doing at that very moment. You can join on our website at wherethersmoke.co or by text right now. Just text the word SMOKE to 66866. Where There's Smoke is written and hosted by me, Brett Gaida, and produced and edited by Nick Jaworski. Now, I just want to take a moment here to give mad props to Mr. Nick Jaworski. If any of you out there are sound engineers, you probably hear some of the rad stuff he does. He'll spend 20 minutes getting a reverb just right, even though the odds are only six or seven people who listen will even notice it. But he knows that even if you don't notice it, it is positively adding to your experience and you're feeling it. And that's why he's amazing at what he does. If you're interested in getting help making your podcast sound awesome, he is available through podcastmonster.com. To see the show notes, which include links to all the clips we use in each episode and links to anything else we reference in the show, go to wherethersmoke.co. Our theme song was written and performed by Des McKinney with additional music by Kevin McLeod. And last, but far from least, we'd like to say farewell to Spock himself, Mr. Leonard Nimoy. If you're in Canada, go out and Spock a $5 bill in his honor. And if you're elsewhere and you don't know what that means, look it up. It's worth it. And to everyone, wherever we are, let's end today's show the way Mr. Nimoy ended each of his tweets, wishing him well on his next journey and us well on our current one. Live long and prosper. Thanks for listening. We love you. We'll see you next week.